0: everybody i'm jim ford i'm mark Marble. and this is the lantern cast episode 509
1: oh yeah and what are we talking about jim we are talking
0: about the movie creed <laughs> that'll be 510 <laughs> if everything goes according to plan
1: no the first
0: the first one the first oh creed. the
1: first one then, then then that then we have to go back and remember what episode that was <laughs>
0: they are cast classics. Yeah, no, we're uh, we're discussing Ant Man three, uh, Ant Man and Wasp: Quantumania.
1: Yeah, though I don't know why they bothered even having her in the title, other than the fact that you, they probably would have been called misogynists if they left her out of the title. <laughs> well, I mean, the movie did feature a wasp in a way, yes, <laughs> and it also featured his daughter, but it, it, but the Ant Ant Man. I, I guess it depends objectively, all kidding aside, I guess it depends. If you want to look at this as a collective Ant-Man and the Wasp, which would include Hank and Janet and Scott and Hope, then then maybe. But yeah. based on the last movie, we assume, you know, if you assumed it was going to be talking about Scott and Hope, then yeah, they, they could have just left out the Wasp part because she, she barely was in the movie. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, I, guess, I guess it sounds better than Ants, man, and wasps.
1: (laughs) (laughs) They could have just said Ant-Man, quantumania, but like I said, probably, probably nowadays you'd catch more heat. It's like, well, you had, you had wasp on the title of the last one, you damn sexist bastards. Ant-Man and daughter.
0: (laughs) The the shrinking
1: bunch. Yes. (laughs) Here's the story. (laughs) Oh God. All right. So obviously we're going to have different views. (laughs) on This movie. But why don't don't you go first and sing the praises of this movie and (laughs) and try to make and try to make the case why it doesn't suck.
0: (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay, so. I went into this with, I guess, pretty low expectations hearing from all the reviews and whatnot, as did I, I should point out. (laughs) Well, my 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 experience was also tempered by your review. So you know, like my my expectations went even lower than yours going in because I had your true negative recommendation, <laughs> but I mean, like overall i listen, I'm not saying that this was a perfect movie; it definitely had some issues, but by and large like i I really enjoyed it, I loved it it was uh. It was a lot of fun to me it was uh spiritually exactly like the first two in that you know like there was so much of the the family aspect you know like this non traditional you know type family whatever that are all like bonding and everything like that and you know like what's important to Scott Lang and like that way like it just kind of continued that, but in a new setting, in the uh, the quantum realm. So I mean, I you know by that token, I I I liked it. I I thought that Tang was really good. Um, you know, very entertaining. I mean, like you know, obviously there were certain certain parts that dragged a little, certain things that didn't make a lot of sense, but it's like you know quantum realm whatever blah 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 blah, past it yeah i don't know without like just jumping in and like picking it apart like that's my initial oh yeah i really enjoyed this
1: all right so let let me be the guide then as we break this down (laughs) As I, de- <laughs> as I delve into my four-page word document about this but to oh be fair, my god but to be fair my font is tw- is a 26 font so it's easy to read so i don't want to make it sound like this is like a 12 font and i have paragraph after paragraph single space no i just have
0: you know i have to say mark when i came in i thought to myself oh this will be a fun episode <laughs> i'll just be discussing the ant-man movie with my buddy mark and now it's like you're like, I have a four page document prepared. I'm like thinking to myself, I'm like, I probably should have tried to think about this movie in the week and a half since I saw it to just to freshen it up in my head. I am completely unprepared now, but go for it. <laughs> well, you'll be pleased to know when I do
1: lists like this or documents like this, I usually, this is a habit I've had since high school. And so I just basically do an outline. I do things that I don't necessarily write things out completely like full thoughts on stuff written out. They just do prompts that will get me to where I need to go. It's like the topics. So it's not that elaborate, but so let's, let's start with
0: good. So what you're saying is it's going to be an Obi-Wan versus Spock again.
1: No, not entirely.
0: (laughs) Nobody knows what we're talking
1: about. God, that that was a long time ago. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I probably could have done better in that one in retrospect, but let's, but let's move beyond that. So let's talk (laughs) about what I did like about this movie, which to be perfectly honest, there isn't a lot. (laughs) I I, and I'm not even I must admit, as far as movies post Endgame, this is the most disappointing movie since Endgame for me, because the expect because I did really like the first two Ant-Man movies. So I was naturally interested in the third before the Disney hype machine raised the stakes on how important this movie was and how it had to begin phase five. And it was the most connected movie to the future and. And everything that's coming in the MCU, uh most directly connected to the MCU as a whole since Endgame. Before they edited all that BS, I was already in the wheelhouse for this movie. So I would have, to, I will have to say that as much as the Eternals sucked, I expected it to, because it never looked interesting to begin with, and conceptually it never looked interesting or sounded interesting. This movie, I, I really wanted, a l- I was looking forward to this movie. This, that's why I was in my top five. So but I look at all the other things in Phase four into five that have mostly been average, except for like Spider-Man and maybe Shang chi that the reality and and I and I know you don't you're gonna talk about this too, because you have thoughts on Black Panther? I like Black Panther more than I thought I was going to. But it's still a, a whole lot of mediocrity. But this movie disappointed me on multiple levels. but the, but so I first, we're gonna talk about what the things that I liked about this movie, which are, again, are very short that half the acting I like I thought Paul Rudd was very good. yeah I thought Jonathan Majors was very good. yes and even though we're going to talk about her character, Michelle Pfeiffer from an acting perspective was very very good. Mm. I thought she was anyway. I think she <laughs> she what she had to work with she did well and she and she was she was invested in it to me
0: I I would say that maybe but yeah given what she had to work with and and you know again coming from somebody who actually enjoyed the movie like her character was kind of a um kind of a drag on the movie oh yes and, we're going to talk
1: about her character definitely
0: you know so like i guess if i like i don't know like maybe if she had done a better job then maybe I would have, I don't know, cared about it more. I don't know. There's just something about it that like, yes, like she was definitely conveying the urgency of everything and the danger, but because her character was written so poorly, it, it really needed that much more acting to counteract it. Like, I mean, like, like Kang as a character, traditionally, historically, I am not a fan of. Just something about that character, I just don't connect with. However, Jonathan Majors was so good in the role that now all of a sudden, like, okay, I'm starting to buy this more. I'm, I'm more invested in the character you know regardless of what he does in the movie what he has to work with like that actor is overcompensating and really bringing their a-game whereas michelle pfeiffer i've heard people i mean i you know be like oh yeah she really she really brought it i mean honestly like maybe she did but she didn't bring in enough to sway my opinion of her character well
1: yes, and I and and I think that's I think it's fair. I just separated the character, which is really, really flawed and retconned yes. horribly, with the actress who who got saddled with the stuff and had to and had to and had to do it. So I understand and we're like I said, we're gonna talk about her character for sure. But mm-hmm. to me I thought she was so I thought those three performances in my to me were good. Evangeline Lilly gets an incomplete, not because she was bad, because she literally has probably like about 10 minutes of screen time if she even has that put together.
0: Uh, Yeah, I would say that she did she did well for what she had to work with.
1: And I would agree with that. Yeah, I would agree with that. Catherine Newton was not nearly as annoying as I expected her to be based on the trailers and her character. Mm-hmm. but I still don't think she was particularly good. I just don't think, I don't think she was bad. And we're going to talk about her character too, because um, I'm trying to separate the character. But to me, Michael Douglas was the, was the, was the drain on this movie because it definitely to me, looked like he mailed it in. I don't think really? he was invest. Hey, I don't think he was invested in this at all. I think he just, he just didn't seem to be as interest. He didn't come across as being as into this as he was with the first two. And I think maybe, and maybe that's being influenced a tad because of the fact we know that when asked if he want, if he'd come back to do another one, he said yeah, basically if he if he could die and sacrifice himself. So that made me maybe that's subconsciously made me think well oh he's only back in this movie because he's contractually obligated. <laughs> but to me, I don't, I just thought he was kind of like well, he just seemed he just didn't seem all that invested in the movie. As, as his performance, it just seemed rather—I don't know.
0: That I I I disagree with that. I I mean maybe it's because his character was just I guess designed to be more likable than Michelle Pfeiffer's character. So the two of them together, for me, she was such a drain on the movie that it made him better. And I don't know, like the he still had kind of like a playfulness with Paul Rudd and um the the daughter um, Cassie. Cass, Cassie so I don't know like I really did kind of enjoy the the play there were aspects of it that yes, I can see what you're saying that did seem a little phoned in but overall he was for me a bright spot in the movie okay so let's so the, so let's
1: delve into uh, something that i think is a and we've been a, kind of makes sense to go into this because we've kind of been circling around it uh several okay. times already in our conversation let's talk about some of the bad in this movie janet yeah i think it's a really bad representation of her of her character i think it's the retcon they give you in this movie which on some levels don't make a lot of sense unless you want to I was thinking about this. You would think she doesn't have to be running to tell everybody. Yeah. Hey, I banged Bill Murray when I was in there, but she should have been telling them about the Kang problem, considering the potential repercussions of all these. And the fact that we know at the end of the last movie, Scott was going back into the quantum realm to get those positive particles to help ghost. And unless we want to read into it and say, when she was making that comment about like like the time portals or vortexes or however she phrased it, that somehow that was her not so subtle kind of hinting at Kang without saying it. It reminded me of and this is a show that as a kid I could watch, not just because the TNA factor, but because you're dumb and you're a kid. But as an adult, I can't watch it at all. Three's Company. Literally every episode of Three's Company was based on misunderstanding or lack of communication. That if somebody would hear something and they take it the wrong way when all you have to do is say, hey, I didn't mean to hear this, but I did. What does this mean? Nobody would do that. It's like, oh, people make massive assumptions that carry on for 20 something minutes and get resolved and finally yeah. get resolved. But almost every episode is based on that cliche. This whole yeah. movie would plays out the way it does because Janet just will not talk about something she damn well should considering she knows Hank at the very least is still going to be playing around with the quantum realm because that's his thing. Yeah, right. and the same thing with with Hank palling around and partnering with Cassie to do stuff that he really shouldn't be doing without Scott knowing and without Janet knowing. But it's all miscommunication, and all it takes is people sharing information, and none and the whole and none of the events of this movie would have played out. So I think I don't think that works at all. I and mean, then just generally speaking, I think I think it didn't really reflect well upon janet and that's not even talking about the whole subplot how she basically kind of helped start she kind of like started a war with kang and then kind of left everybody high and dry, and she got pulled out which again was not by choice really to be fair to her but i just i think it wasn't a it was not really what that character not just these mcu version but we know what the comic book version of janet and i don't think it was a good representation of the character
0: okay For starters, yes, I agree with the character not being a good representation. And yes, absolutely, they, you know, they did retcon that bit where, like, she wasn't nearly as worried when they went in to get the particles to save Ghost. So that part doesn't mesh. But, I mean, things change. I I don't even remember how long that movie came out ago. 2018. Amen uh, I too. So yeah, they came right
1: after Infinity War.
0: So five years. I mean, like at, after that kind of you know time, like whatever, like that's that's a fairly inconsequential aspect to it. The retcon, the the, the part about Michael Douglas working with Cassie and Hope to you know map the quantum realm and not telling. Uh, uh, Janet or Scott, that to me makes perfect sense because all Janet would ever tell them is don't mess around with the quantum realm. And sh- anytime anybody brought it up, it'd be like, oh no, don't do that, don't do that. Like, so it's like, yeah, okay, we're gonna do it anyway. We're just not gonna tell you about it. You know, like my my granddaughter here is brilliant and she wants to create this amazing invention yeah, I'm definitely going to help her do that because this will help us map the quantum realm and who knows what we can do you know, with the, that kind of knowledge. So that part to me made sense. The part that never makes any sense is the fact that she doesn't tell them about Kang like right off the bat. And you're absolutely right. That part does not make sense. However, and I think that's probably a, a key element to enjoying this movie. You either suspend disbelief or overlook that aspect or you're not going to enjoy the movie. So for me, yeah, like that whole trope about like, it's like, I don't have time to tell you, you know, I, I you know, we can't, we, we have to hurry. We have to move to the next location. They're they're coming. I, I can't explain it right now. Like all that, that useless garbage, that was... The worst hands down, the worst part of this movie. But that said, there was enough in this movie that I was able to enjoy when I overlook that. So what I'm saying is like your concerns are extremely valid, and I think that is the the point where it distinguishes who's gonna enjoy this movie and who doesn't and I
1: agree with you. and I do also agree that, especially even from the Hank point of view of Hank's gonna Hank. That you know, he no matter what, he you know, he's going to do what he what he wants to do anyway. But the yes, the idea that if if you know someone's always going to tell you no or disapprove about something, then yes, after a while, it's like well, I won't even bother bringing it up for discussion because we know that the, we, we know they're going to at least be an emotional roadblock and it's not going, it's just going to cause the problem. So what what you don't know won't hurt you, though. So obviously, in this movie, it does. <laughs> yeah, well, it's uh, easier to
0: ask for forgiveness than permission.
1: Yes, absolutely. So that's a good point going back to Catherine Newton to Cassie. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Well, I understand that she is well, you can make a case. It's, it's not, let's not say prototypical, but it's stereotypical of this kind of like teen angsty character. Someone who always sees their parents as nerdy. So they don't get it. They're not doing enough. They don't agree with your, with your point of view on things. So that means they're, they're just, you just view them in a negative light and you have to clash with them, which is not, which there's a, there's truth in, we all know there's truth in that yeah <laughs> but of all people to cut a little bit as i know we all know the beginning the whole point of the beginning of the movie is to show that scott's kind of getting this is the beginning of this movie is scott's opening montage from rocky 3 this is scott being caught up in the fame and the success and everything going to his head a little bit and he's kind of forgetting a little bit of where he came from we understand that's the point but she also should cut she also, but if there's anybody who who deserves a little bit of slack, I think instead of being her being so judgmental towards him. I mean, number one, we know this, she doesn't, but Scott's main concern once he came back and found out about what happened is to make sure he didn't see her name on the wall. That's what Scott was concerned with. That the real that it kind of reminded me of, this is another thing that I thought about in the original Terminator timeline. This would be like 10 years after John Connor defeated the machines. that if he had a 10 year old daughter, who was getting on his back, is like, yeah, you wiped out the machines, dad, you saved mankind, but what are you doing about unemployment? <laughs> it's like, that's what she reminded me of. It's like, Scott literally helped save half the life in the universe. And because he doesn't care about the little social aspect of this, that you think he should, somehow he's not doing enough. It's like, literally the man has, the man has literally done enough that he doesn't have to do anything else for the rest of his life. When you considering what he helped save, right? Go ahead.
0: Okay. So, Yes. In society, yes. He has done enough that he should never have to explain himself ever again. But to his daughter, he's set the bar extremely high in that he's somebody that has been saving her life, saving, you know, the uh, other people's lives, saving frickin Captain America saving the world time traveling so he kind of screwed himself by by his actions like he's done such amazing good and then all of a sudden like now he's just kind of resting on his laurels and he's writing a book and he's just absorbing the praise and everything like that it's like you know i could i could absolutely understand the perspective of a kid who, like, they see their dad as this hero, and then all of a sudden, like, they just kind of, like, stop doing that. Meanwhile, as a kid, you see all of this, all of these issues, all these problems, all this injustice, and your, you know, your parent, who has so much power and connections, and actually could, you know, call an Avenger or something to help deal with whatever... And he's just not doing anything like that. I could see how it would be something of a letdown because he's not living up to the potential that you've already seen him reach.
1: And I can see I can see some of that. They all, But they also added in the element of kind of like retcon- retconning it where she's she has resentment towards him for being gone for five years. Which, again, it's not like it's his damn fault
0: yeah and again like she does apologize for that because it's not something that she consciously wants to have but by the same token for five years she had to fend for herself that even though it's not you know it's no fault of scott's fact of the matter is she still had to do it so and also technically speaking scott is the one that told him about the quantum realm and all that other stuff. So they could have done the snap immediately after the, the blip right after the snap, but they didn't so that they could keep like everything that had happened that way, the same. So in order to make sure that Tony had his daughter, uh, Cassie ended up getting screwed out of the five years with her father.
1: Which is kind of funny when you think about that, because all Tony, all all Tony would have, or all the Hulk would have had to do was like have have everything go back to the way it was five years ago, except have Tony's daughter be, except Tony still have his daughter. Yeah, <laughs> it would have been
0: pretty easy.
1: Uh, or somehow fr- somehow worked it out, but but yeah, I I so yeah, I mean I, I I see, I do see, I do see some of that too. It's just that I think. That you combine that with also making her kind of like she kind of learned how to do stuff really quick, but in the beginning, of course, she couldn't even throw a punch the way you know could, properly with with the suit. I mean, the idea for having a suit is a little shaky too. I mean, really, I mean that seems to be putting the court the the uh, cart before the horse a tad. We already talked about Evangeline Lily. Uh The hair was horrible. But then again, you look at her hair in almost its entire series. It has not been particularly flattering. But that is not a nice haircut for her. I understand no. it's, it's very comic book waspy. It looks like hot garbage on her. I'm sorry. <laughs> it, I, it's, it's just not flattering at all. It doesn't mean, I mean. Even even when they, when were they start first first started talking about this movie and doing interviews, it took forever for you to realize it was Evangeline Lilly. Because I also think she was wearing glasses. I think when she was doing some of these interviews, I was like, between the hair and the glasses, like, who the hell is that? And I know it's you petty. Know, it, it has nothing to do with the the real the, the movie as a plot. I'm just.
0: But. No, I and you, I agree. I actually that was a, uh, a a very prominent thought that I had from going into this movie and through this movie. And I thought, okay, well, maybe it was because, like, she's in the costume and she doesn't want to mess up her hair. So you get a hairstyle that's nice and short, so that way it's not going to be a problem. But I I don't remember what actually happened to Cassie's hair because she had longer hair and she had a helmet that went over. So I'm not really sure.
1: Yeah, it's. I, I I don't quite understand. I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt to say they probably were trying to do an homage to the comic book. But then again, that's more of the comic book Janet, really. Then I think hope yeah. because I don't. But I I yeah, I'm not quite sure about that one. Um, if I can remember what it was now with my my train of thought. Uh, because I, I just momentarily thought thought about something else positive that I liked about the movie, but it just it just slipped my mind. It literally did. But it was a related. It was related to the wasp somehow. So, um, it's embarrassed. Oh, I, I know what it is that I did. I did like when he was, when he was giant man using the shield. I thought there should have been some cap reference when he was using <laughs> it as a shield. Some, some, I know somebody else suggested, which would have been funny also as when he's getting a hell beat out of him by Kang that saying, like, I could do this all day. That would be oh, funny man. too, but, but they've kind of already butchered that by having, uh, Peggy Carter use it, but. I think having some reference, I think we're just supposed to take the cue because he's, you know, when he's using, when he's using the pseudo shield, uh, when they're in towards the final battle, I think, I mean, obviously that's gotta be a cap reference considering his man crush on Steve. But, Mm. but I did like that. I thought that was appropriate based on just like earlier in the movie when, uh, when what cat when cat i think it's You says you you went to go fight <laughs> fi- f- like fight fight captain america it's like fight with captain america it's like fighting against captain america that would be stupid <laughs> <laughs> that yes. see see there were a few there were a few moments not enough there were a few moments that were like pure scott and i really like yeah. that but i yeah. don't think there were enough of those moments and i think that's part of what i didn't like you kind of mentioned the pacing I think alluded to pacing. I think the pacing was off in this movie too. Sometimes it seemed to be everything was happening all at once, and but for like the first hour, also it seemed to be dra- kind of like dragging to get to set up. I don't think the pa- I don't think the pacing worked. I think they were trying to split the difference between a typical Ant-Man movie and making this kind of like a pseudo Avengers ca- or Civil War movie, and I don't necessarily think it worked either way. And you talked about uh, and you and you talked and one thing, and I'll flip it over to you. Yeah. You talked about how that in some ways dealing with the, like an unconventional family in like the first two ant movies, but yet it wiped out his entire other supporting cast with Michael Pena and all his other, the guys working in the security company and all that. They wiped out all that stuff. And basically it's just to a large extent, it's just him and Cassie for a huge part of the movie. <laughs> so.
0: Yeah. um The Michael Pena was missed. He was definitely sorely missed in this movie ex-wife and oh yes i for you good point
1: i forgot to mention them yes even though i don't like her as an actress you generally speaking but yes the whole absence of her and her husband was really that was that was noticeable because it's yes it breaks the tone and consistency
0: they they really use utilize them well in the past two movies so to not have them here it makes i guess sense in terms of what the story that they were trying to tell It wouldn't really fit if they were in it, but by the same token, you still kind of expected to see them at least in some way, shape, or form. So that was weird. You you touched on a lot, so I'm sorry. Trying to like focus. No, it's okay. The pacing, the initial pacing, like when they're in the real world, was fine to me. Yes, that I think moved pretty quick. Yep. Uh, Going into the quantum realm, I think. Uh, initially was real cool and then you know the okay now let's get to the next place to get to the next place to get to the next place kind of thing that dragged with with hope uh, with Janet rather and when you're you know anytime that that Scott Lang was on the screen like okay this is this is fun this is something I can watch he is the heart and soul of that movie yes like the charisma of paul rudd makes ant-man nobody would give two shits about that movie that character anything if it wasn't him so when he's not on the screen everything suffers that said when he was at that camp of rebels whatever and this little jelly monster talking to him about how many holes he has, <laughs> like that was freaking hilarious. <laughs> the whole scene was was gold. And then conversely, you've got freaking the mom, dad, and the daughter, Hope and Janet and Hank. Yes. I can't remember. I I can't believe I forgot Hank's name out of all of them should be the the most easy to remember of all the Avengers comics. But when they go to that bar, and even before that, like, they're going through, like, that forest. Like, like I said, like before. That, I, I don't have time to tell you, I don't have time to tell you. Like, that's just aggravating. You know, like, oh, we better put on these cloaks so we blend in. Like, everybody looks like weirdos anyway. Like, what are cloaks gonna do? Like, it's like, oh, you've got... You know, American human clothes on. Like, those are the impossible. Like, come on. Uh, certain things were, they didn't make any sense. The going to get a manta ray ship, like that whole thing, like, is just to kind of show off that Janet's a badass. And I don't know. I don't think it really landed that great. When they go to the bar, like, it's so clearly a setup that. You know, like, how do you how do you not think that this is gonna be, you know, not like, oh, this, like, we'll be fine, we'll be fine. Like, you know how dangerous everything is, but you're like, don't worry, I know all the secrets and we'll be fine. With, you know, just go in this way. like, a lot of that stuff didn't make any sense and it just was like plot contrivances to get you from one point to the next. And you know like in the middle of this movie there are a lot of plot contrivances and like i said you know you either you look past them or you're just not going to have a good time so i mean even bill murray like i i really like bill murray usually and in this it was just like just kind of a drag you know like you have bill murray and who do you put him in the movie as? As this freaking like nobody in the quantum realm who you know? I just I don't know.
1: He was At, a somebody. He, he just wasn't a somebody that was interesting.
0: <laughs> no, I mean like he's like you know the lord something or rather from blah blah blah. Like we're 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 never gonna see. Wait, you know we definitely never see him again. <laughs> Unless
1: he didn't get fully digested.
0: <laughs> Yeah, yeah, a lot of that stuff was just kind of like, what are we doing here? You know, uh, I I get it. Like, a lot of people have made the, you know, and you probably one of them, the uh, references like to how Star Wars-y it is. And that was their cantina scene. Yes. And it's like, okay, I, I guess, but it was nowhere near as entertaining as a cantina scene.
1: No, it wasn't. So you mentioned the uh about which is another trope the Janet thing I'm like oh I will t- I can't tell you now I'll tell you later let's blah, blah. God, that is one of the most annoying things it's such a it's such a horrible cliche or trait or trope I should say in mm. movies and I'm, there was this Bigfoot movie found like a found footage Bigfoot movie that it wasn't all that interesting, but it was a bunch of like video American vloggers who went to like this national park in Australia for some pseudo Bigfoot creature. And the la- literally the last 15 minutes of this movie is one one of the characters saying, I think I I think I know what, what what these things are or what's going on here. And he has opportunities to tell other people, one person on the phone and one person face to face. It's like, oh, I, I know what's going on. And it's the same trope it's like, oh, I'll tell you later. I'll tell you later, which, of course, he never does, which also means he never tells us. It's like it's so friggin' stupid. It goes back to the yeah. whole miscommunication, lack of communication thing. It's like yeah, it's like take the time to tell. And uh oh so let's let's talk about Modok, Modoc. If they didn't show Darren's face it wouldn't have been so bad. <laughs> that they I somehow suspect they could have done something a little better than just stretching us what stole's face. It look it looked stupid. And they played the character up so much for laughs, when he, basically when he was talking, but especially without the mask, that
0: at least I died in Avenger. Oh, my God. I love that.
1: <laughs> it's so stupid. It does make you laugh. It's like, yeah, you're in.
0: <laughs> you're <part of> the- <laughs> <laughs> You've always been like a brother to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that <laughs> I, I, that part, it was so over the top ridiculous that I loved it. Yeah, and for me, it's
1: over the top enough where I can laugh at it, but I still think it—I think still think it was—it was, it was kind of stupid. And the whole "Don't be a dick, Darren." Yeah, I don't know. I that that didn't really work for me. I also think I think the ending of the movie would have worked better. I think it was—I think it would have worked better if Pope and Scott got stuck in the quantum realm. And they had to, and they just left it like that. And somebody had to go. Eventually, they had to getting them out was something that was going to have to happen down the road. I think it was it was a, the it was a little too. All the pieces fall into place so nicely on the surface. We know on the surface is the key, but, you know, Kang, you know, died in quotes. Everybody says he's dead. Is he really dead? Maybe we don't know. But everybody seems to think that he's dead. They get they get rescued. And I mentioned this to you. The only part of the ending that I liked was the fact that they do give you that they do give you the moment where and it happens during the course of the movie, too, where it's the the parallaxian aspect of Kang, where it's like, you know, he might be right that he might not be the one you really have to worry about. (laughs) <laughs> that he might be serving you know, the, the whole Galactus thing, too. It's like he that he has a greater role to play. So even if he's going to be doing some crappy things, it serves a higher purpose because there's something even worse than me down the road and only I can stop it. The raising of that aspect again at the end of the movie is about the only thing about the ending that re- I, I really, really liked. Uh, but I thought the end I thought it would have been better served. If they had gotten stuck in the quantum realm. So I'm not sure if you want to talk about that before we jump into Kang.
0: Okay. So. For starters, uh, I'll talk about MODOK. The thing that I was curious about going into this was. Knowing how Corey, Corey stole. Yes. Knowing how his character was back in the first movie. Like, you think that that will inform the character one way. But by the same token, I also know that they've got that... Well, not anymore. But they had that TV show where it was like a comedy. And it was like it was a claymation, stop-motion animation, something like that, with Modoc as a joke. And so, like, I'm not really sure. Like, are they going to play him out like an actual killing machine or they got to play it for jokes and i think because you had those two concepts playing against each other you know outside of this movie the end result is that you get a killing machine that at times is super serious and is actually a deadly threat and other times is totally played for jokes which i mean for me I, i it worked i liked it i did enjoy it when you know, they take the thing away like was the face like stretched across like a weird effect. Yes, I don't think they nailed that. However, we also know how actors have their contracts. And if he's going to come back for the movie, he wants his face to be in it. So, you know, to make him, um, I guess, unrecognizable or to keep the mask on. Or to have like robotic looking or disfigured or shrunken or whatever, then you can't recognize who it is. Even though I would still argue that it was still pretty difficult to recognize who it is. You knew who it was, but it you know still wasn't really him. That aspect of it, I think, yeah, his design probably could have been better. But I did like the, the dichotomy between killing machine. And he'll, you know, he'll take a pause just to play with them for a second and then go back to killing them. The face turn that he does, you know, when Cassie is like, you know, don't be a dick. It's like I could see the argument that that doesn't make a lot of sense. But by the same token, I can see it making sense because of the fact that he was a businessman and he never he was terrorizing this little girl. It's kind of like he was kind of realizing like, okay, maybe my life went off the rails a bit because I didn't really want to do that. And then now he's deformed. He's in the quantum realm and he's beholden to Kang. And he, even in the movie, like you see Kang, like kind of punish him a bit. So it's not like they're buddy, buddy. So he realizes that he's just like, you know, a lackey. It's like, okay, you know what? I actually have an opportunity to to go out doing the right thing and also end this miserable robotic existence, which I hope that he's not dead. I hope he does come back again because I did like the character a lot. But the face turn, it totally worked for me. The jokes worked. The look could have been better, but whatever it's it's fine, and that's about my viewpoint on on him. Do you want to counterpoint on that one?
1: I still think I mean, I know they're going with a duality of Darren because you know Darren wasn't totally evil. He just had he just had a he had a different view on things than Hank did, you know, yeah, but and obviously he was a protege of Hank, so there had to be something just like Bill Foster was a protege of Hank. There had to be something good. Or something similar to Hank, even if it was the flip side. I think the face turn was so on one level was so predictable that it I think that t- may have taken away some of the enjoyment for a lot of people with it. I think I do think the inc- the inconsistency of playing it for laughs and playing it straight. It's like in the beginning he's it's it's like straight up killing machine and he's supposed to be this big threat, but then it's like, oh guys, kinda like that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's me it's
1: <laughs> like <laughs> it's like the the dna thing from uh jurassic park
0: <laughs> Oh guys
1: yeah i don't know i it was trust me this is not the i have i have i think i have more issues with kang than i do with Mo, with modok it's just that modok you just kind of hope that they special effects or something they something they could have done maybe but I think you could be right. It could have been one of those things where they didn't want. It. But it's a catch-22. Like you also said, it's like you said two things, and they both are valid because maybe you want you didn't want to take away from the fact that it was Stoll's face. But then again, it's not a clear-cut apples-to-apples. Apples. Oh yeah, that's who it is. Just when you look right. at him, because it's because it's so fr- it's so friggin' deformed. And the yes. reality is, he's under contract anyway. They could he pretty much would I think half would have to do it whether they had his face covered the entire time anyway. The reason why you don't do it is because it's supposed to have relevance to, It's to the audience. But if it's not so blatantly obvious who it is when you look at him, that kind of defeats part of the purpose, too. It's like, right. why not make him look a little more grotesque instead of goofy if if there's only p- part of his face? You know, I don't know, but mm-hmm. it's mo- it, you know, it is it is what it is now for Kang. Well, Jonathan Majors was good. And I talked about the part about the parallaxian aspect of King that I like this goes back to the trailers for me. And this was one of my concerns going into this movie long before the reviews came out, which of course we'll be rolling into at some point too, that the reality is even the trailers were, were doing the, like the, the thing that they tell you not to do when it comes to writing, which is you're supposed to show, don't tell. And most of what we get out of Kang, or the reason why we're supposed to, supposed to believe he's this big, horrible threat to our world and our universe and other universes is because of what we're told we don't really see any of this he doesn't do enough in this movie to make you think that he is that that he is the avengers level threat especially when he gets beaten by a bunch of ants but let's move beyond that for a moment that he does (laughs) he does they don't do enough in this movie to make you feel like he's that but this version of this character is that dangerous Because theoretically, if he is dead, we already would have gotten two versions of Kang who are supposed to be pretty powerful who have both been killed. So. I don't know. I don't I think his performance was fine. I think his performance was interesting. Maybe this was also influenced by the fact that Loveness has come out who who wrote this movie and who is writing Kang Dynasty, which is we'll talk about that, too, that (laughs) he, he kind of has acknowledged that when he was writing this movie, he nobody bothered to tell him that Kang was going to be like the big bad of phase five into phase six or basically the whole multiverse saga, the big bad for the multiverse saga was going to be Kang. That wasn't something he was consciously aware of when he was writing this movie. He just got to do Kang. Uh, so maybe that was part of it too. Maybe if you kind of knew <laughs> that, that kind of strikes me as it's, it's not quite as bad as the, the Ramey and company not watching one WandaVision before you made Doctor Strange to wow. the Multiverse of Madness, but it's not too far removed from it, too. It's like, oh, by the way, this character, a version of him, or several versions of him, are going to be the big bads in the entire phases four through six. Oh, that's beneficial. I'm not saying it would have affected the story. I just think the performance was good. I don't think what we see on the screen was enough to make you feel... If if, if Let's put it this way. If we weren't already told that King was going to be the big bad of, of four through six. There isn't anything in this movie that would make you think what we see on the screen that we should be that scared of him or a version of
0: him. Okay. So the show don't tell concept. I think that they, you, they utilize that in reverse to great effect in this movie because of the fact that we have Janet telling us that he's a big threat and we have him telling us that, yes, you know, like he's done these terrible things, but he has to, you know, like they're telling us all about this, but they haven't shown it to us. And because they haven't shown it to us in a clear way, we don't necessarily know what to believe. It's like because we're just being told it's an unreliable narrator. Maybe he has taken out countless universes. Maybe he hasn't. Maybe he is, you know, on a mission for good. Maybe he's not. We don't know. So I think to that extent, not showing us everything about that part. Opens the door to you know what's going to be coming down the road. Like this is just the like the opening bit. Now that said, going into this movie, uh, like I said, I'm not a huge Kang fan, so I was going I was a little concerned going in. And the reason why I'm not a huge Kang fan is because when you have an infinite amount of a character then like the stakes don't really mean anything
1: yes i agree
0: so oh we just killed a king okay well we've still got infinity minus one left you know like I think that these numbers don't mean anything like at that point it's just it's nonsense so if the stakes are gone then who cares and that was a very very big concern i had going into this like Okay, so are they going to crack the door so that now we're going to see, like, infinite Kangs and just nobody's going to care about what's coming anymore? But I think the way that they did it, they they did give you some stakes. So you know that, okay, for, for starters, this particular Kang was banished to a realm that they figured that he'd never be able to escape from by the rest of the Kangs and
1: why wouldn't they just kill him then (laughs) he was that dangerous why wouldn't you just kill him
0: uh because they couldn't most likely because they couldn't most likely they couldn't kill him I mean they're they're all basically immortal so the concept of killing a Kang is kind of they can't even fathom it for whatever reason. So they put him somewhere that he can't get out of, an inescapable prison. I buy that. And because of the fact that the rest of the Kangs hate this guy so much, it makes him more interesting. So, like I said, it it gives you stakes. Like It makes you realize, like, okay, well, what is it about this Kang that the other Kangs don't like? what's special about this one? And he's got some kind of mission where he wants to get rid of the time streams or whatever that he has to. And, you know, like, well, you're killing trillions and trillions of people. And he's just like, but it doesn't even matter. And I get it. I totally get the the mindset of this character because obviously in the doctor strange movie they talk about incursions if your universe goes through an incursion then everybody dies everybody in the entire universe dies it's like two universes colliding into each other and nothing is left and probably this kang was his universe was probably a victim of another Kang's incursion or whatever. And so now he's going on some kind of vendetta mission to wipe out any universe that may be about to incursion into another universe or whatever, or narrow them all down to one universe so that, you know, it'll never happen again. I don't know. He does have a very Thanos-esque, mission in that yes what he's doing will preserve lives at the cost of others but i guess because like you said since you don't see it yet they haven't explained that part yet it doesn't have the the weight like i expect it to come so strongly that to me it's like okay well i Obviously, that's the case. Obviously, that's the justification. So, knowing that that is like 99% of like the 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 outcome that's going to happen anyway, I use that to justify the movie now. So, to me, that makes sense already. Don't know where else I wanted to go beyond that because again, you keep on covering too many topics, uh, Mark. I I can't I can't I'm hold sorry. it in my head. Uh... <laughs>
1: I also think they were they were walking down a slippery slope because of the fact that they were count. They were counting. It's it seems like to a certain extent they were counting on a large percentage of the audience already being invested in the concept of Kang as a threat because of their comic book knowledge. Which doesn't really play to the audience at large, if the part of the MCU audience that doesn't read comics or doesn't know the extensive history of uh, that character and the whole like so like 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 the council of kings thing that i don't really think that for the most part that played well i don't think that that scene was supposed to have an impact like uh, like a wow a wow kind of thing and i don't necessarily know if that really played well okay. generally speaking i don't think i probably did i think most people thought it was kind of goofy and maybe because it also was the context, the lack of context of it just like even the the loki the loki mobius scene if you didn't watch loki that scene means nothing to you That okay.
0: seems good gotta stop you right there because you've you've said it a lot that i need to to touch upon for one thing the loki thing doesn't matter if you didn't watch that show you'd have no idea what's going on so yeah you'd have no idea what was going on with that scene but that only would make you go back and want to watch the Loki TV show. If you didn't watch it and you don't care about that scene, it doesn't matter to that particular movie. But it'd still be
1: disappointing then as a post credit
0: scene. It would just be like, okay, well, what the hell is going on? How is Loki still alive? And you'd be real curious. And eventually, you know, like, okay, well, if you want to find out more, go to Disney plus, which come on, everybody knows that, you know, they're doing that shit on Disney plus also. So the cancel of Kangs, to me, the on the one hand, yeah, it's like, you know, what's going on? It's goofy, blah, 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 blah. But by the same token, they gathered all the Kangs and put them in an arena. That's a finite space. So while there are, I don't know, thousands, you know, of Kangs in there, hundreds of thousands of Kangs in there, I don't know. Like that tells me, that conveys to me that there is a finite number of kangs. And if there's a finite number of kangs, then eventually the heroes can be victorious. I some reviewer that I, had, you know, was listening to, posited that a lot of those kangs are just going to be cannon fodder. And yes. the the three main ones are going to be the the threat to, you know, to focus on in the future. I don't think that you needed to know anything about Loki going into this though, because you're you're not expected to know that Kang is a threat. When you first see Jonathan Majors, anybody that saw the the trailer would know that he's gonna be like the bad guy of the movie. So, like right off the bat, it's like, okay, well, this guy is, you know, powerless. How has he become the, the villain of the movie, whatever? And then as things progress, it's like, okay, once he gets his power back. Yeah, now he's something to—he's more formidable. Then you have Michelle Pfeiffer touch the machine and get glimpses of him wiping out universes, and so that's convey that he's (laughs) yeah, convey that he's very powerful. And then when they come back, you find out—I guess from Bill Murray's character or whatever—that as soon as the forces fell, like he basically made the entire quantum realm his kingdom and subjugated like everybody basically so if he could do that with the quantum realm you know utilizing just the power of his, his suit and ship or whatever then yes he's definitely a threat and beyond that like another criticism that i had heard about this movie was that Kang is such a big villain that how was Ant-Man able to take him on? And it's a valid criticism because it's just Ant-Man. You know, like, you got Ant-Man. He's just doing the best that he can. Like, realistically speaking, if it was just Ant-Man against Kang, Scott Lang's going to die. But this movie, like the two movies before it, The thing that everybody forgets is that it's Ant-Man and one of his biggest powers is talking to ants. Now, yeah, you have Michael Douglas and you've got these super futuristic ants. But I mean, totally fits with everything that they have told us that they've been telling us about the quantum realm, about time dilation. You've got these super smart ants. They go into the quantum realm. They've been there for a thousand years. They create a super civilization bubble that kang can't even fathom and then they come they all come in at the end of the day and just wipe them out basically i mean to me it's like oh yeah that's right it's ant-man it's an ant-man movie of course there's ants that are coming to help them and they you know like they do signal that that's gonna happen you know like you know like don't forget these ants like that throughout the movie it's like yep oh what's that sound what's that sound Oh, it's the ants. They've been trying to reach me. You know, like that kind of thing. Like, yeah, they they foreshadowed it. Some some say a little too much, but like when the ants came in at the end, it's like, okay, this is just kind of fun. I I, I like it. Now, after they as far as far as as far as Scott and Hope getting stuck in the quantum realm, I I definitely expected that myself too. But they ended the last movie where Scott was stuck in the quantum realm. So that would be, I guess, it be a little weird. And also the fact that like everything that they were working on at the beginning was to reach the quantum realm. So, and even from the second movie, they had a laser that could shrink you into the quantum realm. So why wouldn't they be able to take you out? All that stuff. It would have been strange if they were, stranded in the quantum realm i would have been less shocked if somebody had died though like if they had actually killed scott or or michael douglas's character hank i i think i i was a little surprised that he made it out alive actually i was surprised that everybody made it everybody made it out alive
1: yeah i agree um, i think that was that was especially based on expectation and hype and just hyping things up too you would think that the stakes are supposed to be so high and everything you would think that, yeah, somebody was going to, somebody was going to buy it, but nobody did.
0: Yeah. Uh, But even then, like at the very end, it's like, you've got that whole thing where like, he's walking down the street, you know, all happy go lucky. And it's like, wait a second. What if we didn't do the right thing? You know, he said some pretty, pretty big stuff that was going to happen. And if he didn't stop it, that'll probably be fine. (laughs) Like, like that kind of thing. Like, I like that because it's like a happy ending, but but what's on the horizon? Like you know something's gonna be on the horizon, but I don't know. I, I did like that. Yeah, that
1: part I like, like because again, it goes, it ties into the parallaxian aspect of Kang that maybe he was right all along. Right. That you know, you know, you don't have to be happy that he's right, but the fact is, in the sliding scale of things, if you by not letting him out to do what he th- what he needs to do you're creating more problems down the road. Uh so that that part that part I I agree with. Uh it is kind of funny that with that that whole cake the whole cake thing at the end obviously that was part of the final bunch of reshoots because I remember people taking pictures of that with him with him carrying the cake box. Mm-hmm. So that was one of those things that for whatever reason it's part of the ending if not all of it was of that whole family get together with the cake and some, at least part of that was reworked because that was part of the reshoot.
0: I wonder if they killed him off in the original.
1: I think they probably, I don't know. I think they probably just trapped him. I would, I would suspect that they probably trapped, they may have trapped him or because I, because I had, I had heard things about different endings of this movie and, and I don't, I hadn't heard any of them that said Scott died, but I had heard endings in which he, he was stuck. Yeah, he was stuck in the quantum realm. So maybe they that was that was a change. I shortly want to segue over into the non non specifics about the movie and and the bigger picture aspects of this movie related to box office and the MCU. So I'm not sure if there's anything else you want anything in particular you want to zero in on that we haven't hit.
0: Yeah, Uh, as far as how they dispensed with Kang, the Conqueror from this movie. He gets, I guess, super shrunken down by his, his, uh, the core
1: was, of his engine thing there. Yeah, the the core power of his source.
0: Engine. yeah. So what, what do you think is going to happen? Cause I mean, obviously I have my theories, but what do you think is going to happen? Oh, like basically whether he's dead or not. Right.
1: It's this, this one could really go either way because the fact that normally you'd say, oh, he's not dead. Because, hey, if Darren didn't die and we already knew whatever Janet did to the the power source of his chair wasn't really destroyed to begin with. It just basically had to be it just was broken down and it had to be reassembled and everything like that and put back together at the right scale. So you can make a case very easily that he's still alive. I think they just try to double he probably is still alive. They're just trying to double down on they doubled down on that in, in the post credit scene with the Council of Kings insisting that he's dead. But the Council of Kings, if they were so bright, they they would they at the very even if we go with the idea they couldn't kill that version if they wanted to, they mm-hmm. thought they sent him someplace where they never would have to deal with him again. And obviously they were wrong. <laughs> so what? why couldn't they be why couldn't they be wrong if he, especially if he's on such so far down on a subatomic level that he was undetectable? that maybe that's the reason why they think he's dead. Cause he, he just does not enough for him to sense anymore. So I would probably, I would probably guess that he's
0: alive. Okay. So my theory is you've got the quantum realm, which is accessible. It's outside of the normal universe. It's outside of the entire multiverse at the same time. So Janet could go into the multiverse, uh, could go into the quantum realm and, Ultron from what if could go into the quantum realm and they would be in the same quantum realm so the way that I see it is that you've got the multiverse which is kind of surrounded by this thin layer which is the quantum realm which is in itself uh, an infinite sized universe that goes in every direction but what I think is beyond the quantum realm is what is outside of the multiverse and outside of the quantum realm which is a higher dimension so by getting sucked into that engine what i think was actually happening was that kang the conqueror gets taken out of you know this universe the the quantum realm sent into the higher dimension where he's going to use his technology to absorb that energy to come back later on in secret wars as the beyonder
1: that's a good theory that's de- that's that's definitely a that's definitely a good theory since we know there's a lot of a lot of things circling that the beyonder is going to be coming so yeah. that would that would i could accept that all right so i'm just trying to think if there's anything else for me about the movie itself. But yeah, I would just say for me, and this kind of will segue into where we're going next with this to me, I don't think the rotten tomato score is really wrong on this. I think, because especially when you break it down at the end of the day, a slight minority, slight majority, excuse me, slight majority of critics voted thumbs down versus thumbs up. And I think we're at the point with the MCU where, and even to a large extent with the fan base, That to benefit the doubt, I think it's kind of gone at this point that if this movie had been released in phase three, it probably would have gotten a much higher Rotten Tomato score because a combination of people legitimately still being invested and along with people not being unwilling to rock the boat, because we know it's easier to rock the boat when everybody else is rocking the boat, too. But I don't think they're wrong about this movie, because, again, I, I wouldn't recommend this movie. I especially if you have Disney plus I and I think and that's another part of what I that I think Disney plus Disney and their desire to build up Disney plus and lock these movies into coming out within three three and a half months of release on Disney plus I think with a movie like Ant-Man that's hurting it because the word of mouth generally speaking has not been fantastic about this movie move beyond the critics it only has a B cinema score which is lousy from from a cinema score perspective the only movie that's ever gotten the the same score is the Eternals. So those are the only two MCU movies that have gotten a B and a B on the surface sounds good, but with the algorithms that cinema score uses, that sucks. It's not good. That word of mouth is not good. The cinema score as Chad and I think mentioned like last week, it's a precursor to what it's an indicator of whether the movie probably is going to have legs. And now that we saw the second week drop, there's no reason to think this movie's going to have legs because it dropped 70% against horrible competition, really. Interesting counter programming, one must admit, between Cocaine Bear and Jesus Revolution. But those two movies combined shouldn't have even been within striking distance of Ant Man. And those two movies combined beat Ant Man if you put them together. And I doubt Ant Man's going to have a good hold heading into the third weekend. Well, no, obviously, by the time this comes out, people are going to know. Well, I'll, if it drops below if it doesn't have at least a 50% drop this week, I'll be stunned just because there's no reason to think that it won't based on what's coming out, based on what's still playing based on people's reaction to it. The you know, the foreign box office is so, so the Asian market is really weak on this movie. So it's not just the critics not liking it. It's in the word of mouth is just hasn't been good. So the question becomes, and you're right, by the way, I, 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 I was too dismissive when you and I talked last week and you were about the idea of saying the reviews had an effect. And I and I because I think I internalized it more because some people were already starting to use that as a blanket excuse for the failure of the movie, because we know people do that. Like the manufactured Star Wars fatigue when Solo failed had nothing to do with Star Wars fatigue. Nobody wanted to see that movie. And people were pissed at Kathleen Kennedy and Lucasfilm for The Last Jedi and how they treated people who dared say they didn't like Last Jedi. There are a bunch of factors. Absolutely. I think the critics score did keep people away. I think we were blinded by it in the first weekend because of the fact that it it exceeded the tracking numbers that I think were just too low to begin with. It probably was always destined to do above the 95 to 100 that it was meant to do. So it probably would have done much better if the reviews were better. It just beat the tracking. So it made people think, oh, it's almost, it was like bulletproof. But obviously the second weekend indicated that it wasn't, it wasn't bulletproof. I don't know what this means for the MCU. I don't. I accept that it ain't good news, because there's a strong possibility that this movie is not going to make more money than Ant-Man and the Wasp worldwide. And with all the hype behind this movie, and it's starting Phase Five. And yeah, Ant-Man and the Wasp benefited from the most popular period in the MCU, the build up to Infinity War to Endgame. But Ant-Man and the Wasp wasn't being marketed as, oh yeah. If you saw Infinity War and loved it, you have to see this. This is so critical to where we're going. They didn't hype that up that way. That was just the MCU was so popular that, you know, Black Panther benefited from it. Captain Marvel benefited from it. Everything like the rising tide raises all boats kind of thing. But it wasn't pushed that way. This was actively pushed as being so important to the future of the MCU. And this was such an important movie. And it had to begin phase five that I don't know. I you have this the marvels being pushed back which answering a question well not answering it but the word on the street from sources indicated that the reason the marvels was pushed back was because it was testing poorly chad knight you know speculated about different possibilities because there was nothing nothing came out at the time about why it was pushed back that is what the supposedly is the reason why they pushed it back to november other than guardians let's say, let's play let's play the game that guardians might actually not Let's say it's not as well received or as well loved as pe- as people are probably are expecting it to be. My God, can you imagine what the Mar can you imagine what the Marvels is going to face? Because people, because many most people don't give a shit about that movie anyway. <laughs> but the but the importance of it to not suck will be so high because of what happened with Ant Man and getting Phase f- Phase Five off to a another dud start like Phase Four got off to. I don't know. I just I just think I think the MCU. I think the ma- I think some of the magic is kind of gone for the MCU. Uh, and I've heard other other people say it, too. The way you used to feel about, oh, we had to go see this. It was so special. It made you feel a certain way. You had you, you had to see it on opening weekend because if this gets spoiled, you I, I think it's really it's not there right now. Could it come back and you could have moments of it? Spider-Man No Way Home was a moment of it. And secret wars will probably succeed no matter what, because you're going to be throwing a thousand characters against the wall and people are going to like to see it. But the question is, is there any magic left in in the stories that they're trying to tell? Do people care enough and the characters that they're using? Do people care enough? And I think there's serious doubt about that now. Well, I know that was a lot, too, but I tried to keep I tried to keep it as much of
0: a it was it was awful. (laughs) <laughs> i'm gonna try and counterpoint as much of it as i can but my memory doesn't doesn't hold that much information in it to begin with so i guess i can I can give you prompts i can throw prompts at you i listen i'm not going to turn down prompts okay box office okay box office wise the thing about ant-man movies in general, is that they've never performed as well as any other Marvel movies. Like, and and I don't, I never understood it. I, I honestly, I, I seriously, I scratch my head every time because these movies to me are always so much fun. This one, I mean, now that I've had, like a week and a half to let it settle in my head. Like, yeah, it has flaws. I still super enjoyed it when I was seeing it. A lot of fun movie to see. They've all been like that. And yet they're all still, they never perform like a Thor would perform. They never perform like, I I was going to say Black Widow, but that one, (laughs) <laughs> can't really well, can't and, really and, and
1: as we know there's too there's too many asterisks with Black Widow because we'll never know what it would have yes. done on, from, yeah
0: right but you know like, like stuff like that like Ant-Man in general was never gonna do as well as any other superhero movie now that said this one kicking off phase 5 and being so integral to what's to come afterwards you'd think okay well maybe this will be more of a draw and it wasn't but the reason why i'm not as concerned uh and i'm not you know out ringing the you know the death bells of the marvel universe is the fact that when when they did the first three waves they were working with almost unanimously like pure gold like every time you had iron man like freaking everybody knows who iron man is thor everybody knows who thor is you know like like avengers these were the biggest stars basically that marvel had and they threw them all out and you know everybody ate it all up now You've had, like, your Infinity War. You've had your Endgame. They have made billions of dollars off of this. And, okay, that was great. Now, you can't just force-feed people more Iron Man and more Captain America. Like, you got to change it up. You got to change out your Captain America. You didn't change out your Thor and look what happened. <laughs>
1: you know like yeah that that's I know where you're going with it but but it but oh, go ahead you say but my, you know I'll come back.
0: My point is though that like your phase 1 I mean you know, like a phase 1 through 3 like your your first three phases like I'm looking at that as like that's your first real phase And that was the one that you knew was going to make the money. And I think under, um, not JPEG, the other one. Iger. Iger. Under Iger, he knew what he was doing. You know, like he was pushing for this shit to get done because he knew what he was setting up. And after Like after that first, you know, initial onslaught of all the greatest ones, it's like, okay, now we're going to have a period where hopefully we can use some of that goodwill to set up some of our lower tiered characters and hopefully boost them up to a point where eventually they're making us billions of dollars. Now, between this movie and the ones from wave four. It's been kind of hit or miss. So they're setting things up, but it's not stuff that people like super latch onto. Like I get why you wanted to make the Eternals because you're trying to reach a new audience. But in trying to reach that new audience, you squandered a lot of the goodwill that you had from your existing audience. So it's kind of a catch 22, like a lot of this stuff, like they're trying to do new things and keep the universe fresh and exciting and not just retread the same old stuff over and over again. And part of us are like, well, we like the old stuff, you know, and we don't like this new stuff, but by the same token, if they had given us more of the old stuff, we'd be like, "Ah, this stuff's tired." Like they can't really win. Like they just have to put out these movies and know that there's gonna be a large percentage that's just gonna wait and watch it on Disney Plus. But mark their words, Everybody will watch these things when they hit Disney Plus. And so five years from now, when secret wars and the kang dynasty are ramping up again everybody will have seen this stuff and they may think that it was absolute crap but at that time down the road when they've been able to fix things and make movies that people want to see more because now you're a little bit more invested in these characters that you didn't give two shits about right now or during the last wave so that By the end of these three waves, wave two for Marvel overall, going into their wave three, which will actually be, I don't know, seven through nine or whatever, then hopefully they'll have a stronger footing going into that. Like this is this is the absolute definition of the long game. Like, yes, you want to make the money now, but there's also some understanding that what they're working with is kind of like the dregs of it. And you're not going to get that automatic goodwill because everybody knows who Thor is. So yeah, like right now we're, we're definitely in a not great position for Marvel, but I think all it's going to take is a couple of really good ones in a row and that's going to turn things around. Now that may not be this year. That may not be next year. That may not be three years from now, but when it happens and people are going to still see those movies between now and then anyway, maybe not like billions of dollars worth, but they're going to see them. And if they have Disney plus, everybody's going to see them regardless. Anyway, That like they could put out like an absolute shit movie. They could put well, I'm not gonna say they have. And yet I've watched every single. Oh yeah, especially if you have this. Yeah,
1: yeah. But again, but again, but isn't but ultimately isn't part of this if you're saying well they're struggling now and they're trying to build and they're putting out less than either crappy characters or unknown characters. But isn't ultimately some of that has to be thrown on Feige's doorstep for for the uh, plan that he had theoretically. That we could struggle through this year and we could struggle through next. Well, that's shitty planning then, because that's not I mean, it's it's really easy in retrospect to say, well, everybody knows Iron Man. Well, we knew Iron Man. But remember, Iron Man in the comic books is like a B tier character. He's an A tier movie character, but he's not an A tier comic book character. I disagree. Yeah. Well, I think I and you can make Marvel didn't have that many a tier comic book characters i mean you can make a case when they first started fantastic four might have been but you have hulk he at one point spider-man always he had the x-men especially wolverine at some point but iron man iron man's never like i don't think iron man's ever had that level of popularity as a comic book character certainly before the mcu took off he was there you can make a case cap was never as he was he was close to an a tier character because of but But either way, the point is, we think we see some of these characters as a tier because they have worked. But I think that's blinded Marvel, too, because they've taken a lot of lower tier characters thinking, hey, we can elevate them. Which, again, either it's it's ego or whether it's just the I'm not sure. But after a while, the plan's not working. And it's like, like like whose fault is it? They they were the ones who designed Endgame to say, hey, we're going to lose Tony and we're going to lose Cap. You designed the plan to do that. Maybe that was part of the problem that they were losing too many people from the core group at one time without having people, without having characters people cared about lined up to replace them. Not people you wanted, you were trying to force. And we think we think we can get these characters over characters that were either over already or, or on their way to going over. Maybe they put, they they put, you know, they were betting on the wrong horses here. Remember it wasn't that long ago. People were talking about, Hey, at marvel hey captain marvel is going to be the you know the lead of the next phase it's like captain Marvel's nothing and people don't want captain marvel to be leading the mcu
0: listen and that's i i agree with that but by the same token captain marvel made a billion dollars yes but it was so... also the
1: last movie before endgame too so let's see how the second one does <laughs> i know the box office environment is different But I know a lot of people use that as the deflection. It's like, but just because again, just because a movie makes a lot of money does not necessarily mean that it's popular because it makes a lot of its money sometimes in the first week or two before word of mouth gets out. Just like the op, just like Ant-Man of a quantum mania quantum mania made like $30 million more, $35 million more than Ant-Man and the Wasp. It still might not end up making worldwide more money than Ant-Man and the Wasp. So it's, it's, I know what you're saying, yeah. but yeah, it, 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 it's a I think it's a slippery slope. I think I think things have not been going well for them. And Guardians, I think, will be MCU proof in the sense that I don't care what how people view the MCU. People are I mean, I'm not personally super invested, but many people are invested in seeing the end to that story. So no matter where they think the MCU is as a whole. It probably won't affect that movie. But if for some reason that movie is disappointing as a movie and as a wrap up of that three movie arc, then you just have another domino that fell because you can't count on the more. Nobody knows anything about the Marvels. And and yeah, there are some people when I say no one's excited. Obviously, I'm speaking hyperbole. There's There's some but there's some people out there that are excited. It's a very small percentage of MCU fans that are dying to see the Marvels even without, you know, without any trouble, without even knowing the... It's just not what... So, I... They have to stop the bleeding at some point, and you're right. If, if they split Secret Wars into two movies, and it's fantastic, you know what that'll do? It'll buy them time. But if you begin Phase 7, and it starts off like
0: Phase 4, then you're kind of in the yeah. same boat, and if but you dig your hole, I'm going to interrupt you right now, because Phase 7... They haven't told us anything about phase seven. And I don't think they're gonna tell us anything about phase seven until like we're at secret wars. And the reason why I think that is, is because what is secret wars? Like, okay, the first one was you know, okay, beyond or aggressive bunch of characters and blah, 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 blah. That's definitely not the route that they're gonna go. They're gonna go for the second secret wars, where you have Battle World. Battle World. You've got Doom like collecting pieces of different parallel universes and forming them together into one new world. So that after Secret Wars 2, now all of a sudden Miles Morales is in the same universe as Peter Parker. Right there. Like, if you know that going into Secret Wars, Then you know full well that after Secret Wars, they're going to have a new version of Cap, a younger version of Cap. They're going to have a new Iron Man, a younger version of Iron Man. They're going to have a new Thor, the younger version of Thor. Like whoever they need to get a new younger version of, they can bring that right in in Secret Wars. Now, all of a sudden, it's right back to where they were started in the very beginning now you can tell new iron man stories now you're going to tell you know, new captain america stories whatever you want to do you can have old captain america new captain america alternate universe captain america whatever after they get to that point then it resets the clock because they knew going into this that you only have a finite amount of time with these actors you can't take an actor and be like, we want to sign you to like a 20 year contract. You can't do it. None of them are going to do that. You might get somebody to sign on for a 10 year contract, which even that is ridiculous, but you might be able to get somebody to come sign on for a 10 year contract. and then maybe make a cameo or show up here or there for like two minutes and get paid a million dollars and then leave. Like those are possibilities, but It's not a realistic business plan. Like You have to cycle out your actors. And luckily, with comic book movies, there are built-in factors to be able to do that. So that's what Secret Wars is. Secret Wars is the reset button for the Marvel Universe. Not a complete reset. It could be. I mean, only based on different... I
1: have heard different things that which may not be true, but I've heard things that they do have a plan for a full on reboot, but that's not this phase that it's after several more. I mean, it's not this saga it's after several more sagas and then they will literally start from scratch. So it's, will there be changes probably to reality, but I don't know if this is going, this is going to be that reset because they, especially because they saw the, I, I, I just think there's doubt whether this is going to be that reset button and even then that if they did that that runs a lot of risk because are we are we ready to see a Captain America Iron Man Thor Hulk all recast at this point all of them recast I don't right, know right now no
0: but in how
1: long how long away is that 5 years no face oh uh, face depending if they push if they push secret wars into two movies then the most it would be would be it would be 27 because right now Secret Wars is supposed to be 26. So that's not that far down the road. So I still don't know if that would be enough to do a full on reboot and people would be OK. I, I think they'll use it to tweak stuff and make changes. Maybe that'll be the excuse to get the X-Men in in our universe, recast X-Men. But yes. I don't think they're going to do the, use that as a full on reboot of the MCU yet. And, and and even if they did, who knows if they if the interest is going to be there to start all over again with new with new actors and in, in doing different. It might be. But if you my basic point is, if you do damage enough damage for four through and let's say can let's say King Dynasty isn't all that thrilling, depending on which Avengers or which people are on that team and how it ends up secret wars will bu- will people will go see that movie because of all the thousands of characters in theory you could throw into it but it doesn't mean it's going to it's going to be the deodorant that wipes out the smell that people have gotten from 4 through 6 up to that point
0: well the one major caveat is that when marvel finally decides to reboot their universe and Maybe it won't be everything. Maybe it'll be just some things. Maybe maybe everything will be, you know, brand new from the ground up. Either way, whatever. When they do that, they're not doing that for me and you. Right. They're doing that for the next generation of movie fans. And so we can either watch it or completely off because they won't care. They'll have all the young dollars. That's, that's, I get that's the whole yeah. thing.
1: Yeah, I can see that. I, I get that point. So, but, but it, but it will be interesting to see just generally how this, because things, oh yeah, yeah, because yeah. because we know because we know things have not been trending well for the MCU. It started off as a, you know, it started off with a minor bump. Again, we you can, can excuse Black Widow because it got yeah. sabotaged because of the day and date release, and it was the first big movie to come out post, you know, post COVID. So we understand that Shang-Chi had a good opening, not great. The Eternals, nobody really liked. But Spider-Man was the deodorant that saved a lot of stuff. And Multiverse of the Madness did well financially, even though I think a lot of people were disappointed in it. But now, but it hasn't been horrible financially. And you're right, Ant-Man is an individual franchise, has not was has always been smaller, no pun intended. But this movie was supposed to be different. And the fact that it opened higher, but still could end up making less money worldwide than the predecessor. And the fact that it got the re it just hasn't resonated clearly no matter how they want to spin it the way people the way they wanted it to. It's it's a problem. And then you look at some of these other projects that are coming out. We don't know how Captain America New World Order is going to play. We assume the Thunderbolts will be fine, but we don't really know that yet. Blade is like the ultimate mystery project if you know, because nobody knows Jack, if it's if it's ever going to get made at this point, you have all these things and they keep kicking all these TV shows down the road. And it's like, I don't know. I just, it just seems like,
0: well, the other thing is that I don't think they are a hundred percent on phase six.
1: yet. Oh, you mean what's going to be in it?
0: Yes. Like in terms of, well, what's going to be in it? or what direction they take with it in general
1: oh so So, you think they might change based on what's been going on
0: well i think based on what's already come and what is going to come out in the next year i think that is going going to they're going to have to really think about what direction they go because like like you said like Maybe they will reboot everything. Maybe they won't reboot everything. Like, that aspect of it, I think, is... Like, while I say it's like, oh, yeah, that's definitely what they're going to do. There is a chance that they won't. And what I think is that, like, that's their... That's their, their, um, their, their final gambit, basically. Okay, if everything's, like, turning to shit, and they're not able to turn things around, and so, like everything's just kind of like coming out landing with a thud, but they have to keep on churning this stuff out anyway, because they're not going to know, you know, Ant-Man's going to make some money, you know, it's not going to be maybe
1: because Ant-Man's budget was also a lot more than Ant-Man the Wasp. This, this got your typical uh, 10 million, I mean, $200 million budget movie. So, so based on the new, based on the new math, it has to make, about $600 million to guarantee you're going to make money. And as of last weekend, they were talking about it's only going to be 500 million plus.
0: Right. But between Disney plus and like, whatever, I'm not that concerned about it, but again, it is Ant-Man and while they had hoped it to do better, there's, it's still a freaking Ant-Man movie. Like to, to expect the world from an Ant-Man movie It's just kind of like you're setting yourself up for failure. So, whether or not they actually expected, you know, those numbers or not, like, who knows? But the next couple of movies, like, like you said, like Guardians seems like a safe bet, but it's been what, seven years?
1: It will be six years, 2017.
0: Like, that's a long ass time. And yeah, Mm -hmm. you just had the Christmas special, but. Is that going to be enough to be like, oh yeah, I still really love these characters? It's been seven years, and one of the characters isn't even the same version as the last movie. That you saw. <laughs> now, I want to see it. I'm I'm excited to see it. I you know I'm I'm up for it, but I can see a possibility of that movie not doing Gangbusters and Marvels. I want to see it for Ms. Marvel, basically for Ms. Marvel alone.
1: And I agree I, with I, that.
0: I will go see that movie just for Ms. Marvel and maybe to find out what the hell's going on with their, her bracelets or whatever. I don't know. That'd be cool. Beyond that, I, I don't even know. Like, what, what? what is the next movie? Is that the Captain America movie?
1: I believe once we get past the Marvels, I think New World Order is the next one out of the shoot.
0: Yeah. So these are movies that that could go one way or another but if the marvels tanks then i don't think that's necessarily indicative that captain america would tank you know like they're all Oh
1: yeah i don't of- i don't think we're at the point where we're not at the point where because the pro- this is the, the benefit of the projects being different as in their scope. Yes. We're not at the point where if this movie craps the bed, it's guaranteed that the next one will. What it does is it raises the skepticism bar and it almost makes it, i think to a lot, to a certain percentage of the audience, you have to make make me want to go see your movie. Show me why I should go see this instead of waiting 3 months to see it on Disney Plus in my in my living room or bedroom. I think that's kind of what the, what they're up against. When you start, and plus, it just doesn't seem as important that you have to go out and see these things the way they were. And that it's because they're not events. Spider Man worked because it was an event. Multiverse of Madness was should have been, or was, people thought it was going to be an event, but they realized quickly it really wasn't. But nothing else that's come out. And even this movie was definitely not an event movie. So I think that's part of what's hurting it, too, is that it just seems like it, well, it's like, well, 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 we'll watch it later. Like, it's like, do you need to stay up to three at three a.m. to watch The Bad Batch? Or Can you watch it on Saturday night? You'll watch it on Saturday night. It's not, it's not that, it's not must see TV, a must see yeah. movie going, but as, by as the same like it used token, to be.
0: The, the other thing is though, like, they announced that they're going to make less TV shows. Yes. And you have to consider disney plus as part of their full entertainment package you know like their movies their tv shows the disney plus it's all kind of in the same i don't know um grouping basically so yeah ant-man is gonna go there after three months and people are gonna watch it but people know that Ant-Man is going to be coming and they're going to have their Disney plus subscription. It's one of those things where yes, you're going to have some people that are waiting to watch it on the channel. But the fact that it's coming to the channel is the justification that people have for continuing to pay for Disney plus. So Yes, maybe they're sacrificing movie tickets, but there's also an aspect of less people want to go to the movies in general these days. They want to watch it at home, and if they're going to spend the money on Disney+, Plus, then you're still making money on that. And if I had Disney+, and it's like, okay, well... I don't really care about Star Wars. So, the Star Wars shows mean nothing to me. And I don't care about a lot of the other Disney stuff. Oh, maybe I'll get rid of Disney Plus. Oh, wait. That's right. Black Panther: Wakanda Forever is coming to Disney Plus. I might as well keep it because I want to say, "Oh, and then Ant-Man's coming and, you know, a couple more. Months. You're paying for Disney Plus every month whether a movie drops or not." some people are keeping it for those movies.
1: Correct. But if they, and even if they hadn't seen it in the theater first, if they end up being part of the percentage of people that keep getting disappointed in these projects, then after a while, that's not going to be enough of an incentive necessarily to keep it. In fact, you can make the case if you if everything you're watching on for the most part is disappointing you. when when it comes to Marvel and that's the main reason you're keeping Disney plus that's an even greater incentive not to keep it and then just go see the one or two Marvel movies that have characters that you actually give a crap about, like Spider-Man, and not even worrying about the incentive. The incentive is won't be there as much to keep up, especially when it's so many of these projects are not as related as they were anyway. That it's like, well, I don't need to. I don't need to see everything. I'll just see the stuff that I want to see. And if I'm seeing stuff that's sporadic anyway and not even enjoying most of that, I'll just see the one or two movies. In each phase in the theater, I'll see the big movie when they all you know when the phases end, and then I'll move on so it could go either on that one it could it could go either way if I mean they are losing subscribers, so obviously there's something besides just raw cost, even though that's part of it that's turning people away so if you didn't if you weren't interested in star Wars stuff and if you were interested in the Disney stuff, but you know you but you didn't but let's say all the shows that came out last year, you thought were mediocre and it's like, well, okay, well then how long, how long do you hold on before you, you, you know, you cut the cord. And that's the thing too. you. That's why you can't keep kicking the can. You can't keep kicking the can down the road go, going. And I'm not saying they would, nobody would willing consciously do this anyway, but it's like, well, we know people aren't going to, aren't going to like everything until we get to the, you know, near, to the very end of phase five or beginning of phase six. But then we think they're going to rally. It's like, You're going to do a lot of damage if if that happened, regardless of your plan or not. If that's the actual result. I don't know. I think it just reinforces the fact that it's possible to have movies that are as big as Infinity War and maybe Endgame. But I don't think the MCU is ever going to be what it was. And I just think I never did after Endgame. That was my that was my take on it, that it was never going to hit that peak again. But of general interest in the MCU, you could do it for a one off movie. Like Spider-Man proved, you could still, you know, even, you know, first year after Pandemic, that movie beat Infinity War. But the reality is, I don't think, there's no reason to think right now, maybe when the, once the X-Men come in, maybe that can change things. But...
0: Yeah, well, while I don't think that it's going to happen anytime soon, I think that there's at least potential to reach that those same levels of of just money and goodwill and whatnot going to be a while away, though. So. Hopefully, hopefully, DC comes out with uh, with some good stuff uh, while we're waiting for Marvel to get their their shit in gear again.
1: I know that is that is that is the irony here. There's there is actually a tremendous opportunity for DC to cut into the Marvel Advantage in Marvel lead because Marvel's kind of like they're kind of staggering and it's not like and it's not like DC's got them against the ropes they got themselves against the ropes so but DC has an opportunity to do more damage. Mhm.
0: Mm-hmm. All
1: right, so you had you finally got to see Black Panther so you have some thoughts on Black Panther.
0: Yeah, so and I actually saw I saw this after I saw Ant-Man which normally I like to watch them in order but I knew that it wasn't going to matter at all. And so, like going into that movie, like I I didn't want to watch it. I I had so little interest in it. The trailers just made it seem boring to me. And, and whatever, I just could couldn't care less. But I said, I'm like, hey, you know what? I'm gonna be recording with Mark. Let me let me just kind of grin and bear it and sit my way through it. And I have to say. I was pleasantly surprised that I was right in that I did not enjoy that movie just like I thought I wasn't going to. I was listening to your review of it with Dan today, and I think the best part about the movie was the acting. And I think also listening to you guys talk about it. My stance on it has softened quite a bit. Now, I've seen it a couple of days ago, so it's had time to sit a little bit. The acting in it is, is excellent. Just, you know, all the main characters. Uh, Ross was, eh, whatever. Julia Louis-Dreyfus was barely in it. And that that whole thing was, I could take it or leave it. Riri Williams, I think she was probably the weakest aspect but i also think that they were they were probably really struggling with what that character should be and that combined with the fact that you've got a younger actress who i don't know i don't know if she's great or or whatever but she was okay she just she did a a decent job But amongst everybody else who did such a much better job, just giving a good job makes it noticeable. So, yeah, acting was phenomenal. I think that all of the actors did like gangbusters with what they were giving. Now, my issue is what they were given. Yeah, this movie was going to have a somber tone to it regardless, just because of what happened going into it. So they really they really kept that up the whole movie. So that that kind of was like eh. And while I think they did a decent job of conveying the threat level of Neymar the this there was just so many just like the plot contrivances in that movie. And I know We just got done talking about Ant-Man, where there were so many plot contrivances that you either have to look look past, or you're gonna not enjoy the movie. Same exact thing with with Wakanda Forever. There's so many plot contrivances that are just so difficult for me to look past. And you know, like not even like not even the normal plot contrivances. Like like Williams. Like okay, yeah. You've got a a super brilliant, you know, kid, whatever. Sure. Sure. She built something that can discover vibranium. Uh, uh, Was it not not vibranium? Is that what it is? Yeah, it was vibranium. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Sure. She built that machine, whatever. And yeah, sure. She built a sort of Iron Man suit. And sure. When she gets to Wakanda and she has access to those machines, she's going to build a really cool one. That's more inspired by Iron Man. Whatever. That's that's fine. Really had no problem with that whatsoever. I'm hoping that when she gets her own show, they'll go with the, was it purple and yellow, the um, the, the comic costume?
1: I think okay. that's right. I don't know. I don't, I've never read a Riri Williams comic in my life.
0: Yeah, I think it's like a magenta and a yellow, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, just because I think those colors would be cooler. Now that said... Her version of the Iron Man armor had such a brighter, warmer shade of red that really popped that I never got from the Iron Man costumes. Like I always liked the Iron Man character, but those like the, the red that was on that those costumes always just seemed a little uh little too dark, a little too metallic and murky i don't know it just wasn't a huge fan so yeah um Ironheart, great i'll take that the thing that i really struggled with was the fact that what do you call it what is that uh t- telecon
1: uh, right Telecom? uh
0: yeah telecon that whole thing Made no sense. Nothing about that made any sense. And I can suspend disbelief that there's an underwater civilization. But I can't suspend disbelief that somebody built it in 300 years. That's ridiculous. Like the fact that they take this heart-shaped herb, whatever, you know, their version of it and it makes them into fish people makes no sense like nothing about that makes any sense the fact that because Neymar was the first person born to these fish people he has wings on his feet like I know that it's from the comic books but give me a break like why does he have wings on his feet that doesn't make any sense if they had kept the origin that it was Atlantis and it had been there for thousands and thousands of years, I could totally buy that you'd have a civilization underwater. And not only that, that it was more advanced than Wakanda, but you're telling me that they drank a magic flower plant that didn't just make them stronger and faster like black panther but also made their bodies capable of withstanding the pressure of under the ocean and not being able not not being having to breathe air anymore and in 300 years then created a super civilization underwater that was able to technologically progress past wakanda while being underwater nothing about that makes any sense like i can suspend disbelief like crazy i have been doing for a very very long time but to tell me that they built that in 300 years and were able to progress past wakanda which had been there for thousands of years doesn't make any sense so also the fact that you go to talokan and like it's like discovering wakanda for the first time in the first movie now here we are in the sequel and you're discovering a new secret civilization it's like okay well didn't we do this last movie and then the wakandans have their their symbol where they cross their arms across their chest and now the talokans have to have their special salute which is like you know, I, like, they got their hands ready like they're about to do a Kamehameha wave. Like, a lot of that stuff was just like, what the hell is going on here? I Just, why would Shuri and um, What's-Her-Face be the only two that go? Like, why wouldn't you have anybody else go? In what universe would it ever exist that Chadwick Boseman's character didn't tell Shuri that he had a kid like like these things are plot holes that are so big that i can't i can't fit my disbelief around them
1: i can i mean i can understand where you're coming from on that i there, there's the suspension of disbelief just generally speaking is, is it's a fine line when we get to the when Ryan and I do the Creed three review, there's thing, there's a bunch of that in that movie too, from a from a pushing the plot perspective forward yeah. perspective, that just I don't think make you know you really you really have to look the other way in order to, in order to just not go well, not to let it take you out of the experience. So I think it's it's an individual thing, but I certainly under I certainly understand where you're coming from.
0: Yeah, I have to say going into it, I really. Wasn't looking forward to Shuri as the Black Panther, but that, that I think played out very well. I did like seeing her in action. I I liked how her fighting style was different. I liked that she had the cannons. I, I was, I was way more on board after like she was the Black Panther and everything like that and seeing all that. Um, Like I said, I, I've softened a little bit after listening to your review, so it's not like a complete pile of garbage to me anymore. But in terms of the Marvel Universe in general, like when you have a movie like Ant-Man where you have to suspend so much disbelief because, you know, oh, I can't tell you, I can't tell you, uh, you know, it's like, wait. You did what with the quantum realm, you know, like you never should have done this. Well, why didn't you tell it like these are these are like plot holes and story elements that take people out of the movie. And when we're in an era where these movies are you know kind of hit or miss, Eternals was horrendous. There were so many plot contrivances for that movie that you know just aside from it being a bad movie Thor Love and Thunder again you know plot contrivance after plot contrivance like the plots are getting lazier and they're just kind of expecting people to be like yeah well you just gotta buy this so I think that is kind of something that they need to work on but I don't know that's my meandering thoughts on Wakanda Forever
1: but I think you summed up the where we are in the MCU, too. I think that's a nice way of putting it. It's that one way or the other, whether it's because Feige's had too many projects and he's been not able to be his hands on with some of these things. But again, like we talked about the I, I mean, he, he obviously has shot himself in the foot, too, by making some you know questionable comments about how also like the idea of seeing all three of the Marvels together was like the, the equivalent of. He felt like it was the it was or will be the equivalent of seeing the the original six Avengers together. It's like that's so much pure bullshit, and that nobody <laughs> believes it. Even Brie Larson on her worst day isn't gonna believe that. I mean, <laughs> I mean, the sad part is if he really believes. I mean, as opposed to spin, but the you know the whole thing about the playing the white savior trope. Why Doctor Strange couldn't show up at the end of Wandavision, though, it would make perfect effing sense for her to show up, and he was supposed to all along. Yeah. But the, but I don't know what it is, I, but but Feiging, obviously, for whatever reason, he has not been able, whether it's all his fault, just partially his fault, it's hard to know. But he's obviously, things have gone awry, no matter how you want it. And the question is whether he can pull it back together again, maybe, and some of it may be Chapek, like you mentioned. Some of it could be because Chapek was a lot less talent friendly. And because we all know the Scarlett Johansson thing would never have happened if Bob Bob Iger was still running Disney. That thing would never, ever gotten close to a lawsuit thing. They would have just made that deal and made her happy one way or the other before it ever came out with the the day and date thing. Even probably before they even announced it, they would have had that all resolved. But JPEG didn't care. And the marketing for some of these movies would have been different because. But the but. Feige has to do something now because you can't just you can double down on you can double down and pretend that there's not a problem or you can just do the mea culpa and acknowledge that there's kind of an issue and we're going to fix it and and still try to be as politically correct as you can to try to not, you know, throw people under the bus. But the reality is you can't just keep plowing ahead and pretend that everything's fine in MCU land because it's not. And like I said to Chad before, you can't just throw any character on an Avenger team. And say, oh, it's an Avengers movie. People are gonna care. No, they might not. (laughs) So,
0: (laughs) I don't know. They threw Modok on an Avengers team. Yeah, maybe, maybe. They'd probably Uh, be uh, on board for that. So,
1: you saw Creed three. Yes. Oh, so the Creed three part is gonna actually be it's gonna be a non-spoiler, recorded part of the. I thought you were talking just, which is fine. I thought we were going to be talking off air about it, but that's all right. This will be spoiler free because Ryan and I should be doing a spoiler discussion probably tomorrow based on right. i'm recording this but yes i have seen creed 3
0: okay so in terms of what we were talking about tonight how was jonathan majors in the movie
1: i think i probably like jonathan majors better in creed 3 okay think, yeah i think the i know they tried to give you the duality in a way of his personality and oh one thing we didn't talk about which ties into Ant-Man is. I like the fact that when you look at Kang and his relationship with Janet and then the way he acts later on, it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy aspect because he seemed to be much more of a a man of his word and a deal is a deal, dealing with Janet, but after Janet screwed him over, he he wasn't playing that game anymore. But they still try to do the duality of having him be calm and then be able to lose it. While you kind of, in Creed 3, you kind of always sense that there's even if you didn't see the trailers and you're just watching the movie, you kind of know that there's stuff under the surface, but the way it's handled, I think is, I think it's the way it kind of like builds. I think it works. I thought i would worked a little better and I liked his character and the way he, the way he handled the character in Creed three better than Kang and, and uh, Ant-Man.
0: Hmm. Okay. Now, in, in terms of how you would rank this Creed movie, Amongst the other two.
1: I think it's for me. I think it's the least effective of the three. It may be the most personal story related to the, to the Adonis character. I don't think the movie, I don't think from an audience perspective, there's as much of an emotional investment in this movie. And that's part of it is also the plot contrivances and things that have to happen. I don't think so to me. And this is, and this isn't even factoring in, you know, the Stallone aspect of this one at all, or the lack thereof. That's not even a factor in this to me. Mm-hmm. I just don't think, as a, as a movie, as a journey, it's as effective as the other two. So I would probably, I'd say it's number, number three out of three.
0: Any other, uh, any other thoughts you might have, spoiler free?
1: I certainly would say if you like the first two creeds, you, I would recommend going to see this one. It's worth seeing. There's, there's enough. There's enough stuff in it that continues the character growth, certainly of Adonis and arguably, even though again, still not perfect because none of us are, but in a way you, you do see a more mature version of the character, which I think they had to do now that he was had to carry the movie on his own because the lack of maturity and certain, even though there are aspects of that flare in this movie too, but there was a little bit too much of it. And I think in the first two Creed movies that were that they didn't read Wipe that out pretty quickly. It was going to be really difficult for you to rally around that character, especially when there is a when Rocky is not there to counterbalance it. Right. So I think that they did a better job pushing the character along in his evolution. And they certainly set things up in this movie that they, you know, given a perfect world, will continue in different directions. So uh, they certainly have plenty of paths to go to make other movies in the universe. Probably arguably at least three, at least Two safely, three maybe already (laughs) just set up in this movie. So yeah, I still would recommend seeing it. It's not perfect. I don't think, I don't think certain aspects that you use, some things you expect to really enjoy in a rocky verse movie. I don't think work as well or aren't as done as well in this movie. Uh, but I think as a director, I think Mike, considering this is the first movie that he's done, I think Michael B. Jordan did a pretty good job. Cool. Anything else to push?
0: Uh, God. I don't think so. Sure. I got, I got nothing for you.
1: Okay. Let me close this out here. Lanterncast.com. The email is lanterncast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, hashtag geocast. We're an Apple Podcast, Spotify, and Stitcher. So please leave us a positive review on all platforms you listen to us on. Last but not least, if you'd like to leave us a voicemail, 708Lantern or text 708Lantern and let us know what you think. What should be coming up? We should have a Creed 3 spoiler review soon. And Jim, excuse me, Freudian slip. Dan, Chad, and I will be doing a summary of the end of DC versus Vampires. And Lord knows I didn't want to to do multiple episodes to wrap that story up anymore. (laughs) Since it's been like over a year since we did any of it. But I felt like we needed to come back and at least let people know who listened to the first couple of episodes who didn't read the story. At least how it all turned out. So we'll be recording that real soon too.
0: Actually, that'll be me. I remember hearing the first episode, uh, the the first episode about it, and then uh, I never read the series. So.
1: Yeah, we've. I we only did the first four on the air. I read the first six. If Chad bothers to upload the other issues, I will have. I will actually read the final six. So if not, I will just be nodding to myself and saying a few words as Dan gives a succinct wrap up of the story and, <laughs> and then we'll talk about something else. But <laughs> listen, we're all tuning in for Dan's dance wrap ups. That's right. That's why Dan was that was that's why Dan was perfect for this. It's like who who could who could sum up an entire like 12 issue arc let alone a, a six issue arc probably like in five minutes. It's like Dan. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: okay uh, okay.
1: Good night everybody.
0: So long.